the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 1280, The Patriot, is WWTC, Minneapolis, St. Paul. FM 107.5, K298CO, Minneapolis. Intelligent Radio. With SRN News, I'm Ron DeRockstra. Another major air carrier ending its social distancing guidelines. American Airlines says come July 1st, it will no longer leave some of the middle seats open to allow for distancing among passengers, matching the policies of United Airlines and Spirit. American had been flying at 85% capacity and says it will allow customers to change flights at no extra cost if they object to a full flight. Rivals Delta, Southwest, and JetBlue are still blocking out some seats for social distancing. Americans' passengers will be asked to verify they don't have virus symptoms and will be required to wear a mask. I'm Jackie Quinn. The purge continues. Princeton University announcing it will remove former President Woodrow Wilson's name from its public policy school due to his racist views. This is SRN News. This is Nick Anderson, General Manager of Salem Media Group Twin Cities. During times of crisis, this radio station will continue to be a reliable source of news and information. We take this very seriously and ask that you continue to stand behind not only our station by listening every day, but by continuing to do business with our local marketing partners. It's because of their support that we can be a beacon of strength when our culture needs it the most. Visit this station's website to learn more or call us at 651-405-8800. We'll have Hour 2 of the Headline Act, Mitch Berg, on the Northern Alliance Radio Network coming up here in just a moment. But be sure to head over to am1280thepatriot.com and check out our half-off home makeover list. These deals are going fast, and they are a limited time. That's am1280thepatriot. Click on half-off home makeover. Looking at our forecast for the rest of today, we're going to have sunny skies, highs near 88, and lows around 67. Tomorrow, a chance of showers and highs near 87. The Northern Alliance Radio Network, the longest-running conservative talk show in the Twin Cities. It's great to be back in Minnesota today. Political analysis of the good, the bad, and the outright crazy. Now, here's your headline act, Mitch Bird. Welcome back, Twin Cities and World. It's the wind beneath the right wing. The show that is making talk radio great again, the Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280, The Patriot. My name, Mitch Berg. My blog, shotinthedark.info, for 18 years now, going on 19 years. Really, let's be honest, going on 20 years, five days a week, uh, bringing the truth about so many subjects, not just politics, but current events, history, music, uh, me, everything to uh, to the world, and then of course that this broadcast being an offshoot of that for going on seventeen years now, uh, dominating Twin Cities weekend radio, which really means let's be honest, dominating Twin Cities media of all kinds and really public life of every variety. The Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM twelve eighty, The Patriot, Mitchburg kicking off a weekend twofer. I'll be in for Brad Carlson, who is on assignment tomorrow. But don't forget, he'll be back, well, some variety of us will be back next week. Don't forget King Banyan, also Saturday mornings, 9 to 11, on our sister station, uh, AM 1440, The Businessmen. Anyway, I live in St. Paul, a area that, uh, like Minneapolis, is generally considered to be prime Democrat territory. I mean, the record shows it. And yet, every two years, we have Republicans running for office. And in a just world, <laughs> this, this is... And with a whole, more likely with a whole bunch of hard work, it could actually start to actually come through for us sometimes here. With us, one of those people who's putting in the work, burning up the shoe leather uh, in the city, uh, longtime friend of this broadcast and of yours truly, Diane Knapper, who is the GOP endorsed candidate to run against Patricia Torres Ray uh, for the U- Minnesota State Senate in District 63 in Southeast Minneapolis. Uh, Diane, welcome to the broadcast. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Glad, glad to be here. 
Glad to have you, Diane. Uh, of course, you and I have known each other for probably, what, thir- I think, what, 12 to 14 years here right now. I think you and uh, your husband came out to a mob party uh, at, at Keegan's Irish Pub years and years and years ago. So we, we do go way, yes. way, way back. <laughs> that was and, a lot of fun. It was. And we'll talk about that as well as, uh, as, as sort of your political origin story here. Uh, but let's talk about you real real quickly here, Diane. Who are you? Where do you come from? What's, uh, what's, what, what brings you to this point in your life? So I was born and raised in Philadelphia. Um, uh, went to school in Washington, D.C. and wound up here in uh, Minnesota uh, in 89, last I graduated. Um, I live in South Minneapolis. Uh, I, I love the state. I love the city and um, got involved in politics about 10, 15 years ago when I met my husband. Um, the, the biggest turning point for me was reading the book Up From Slavery by Booker T. Washington. And that kind of cemented in my mind that I needed to be uh, not a Democrat. <laughs> so okay. um, I just think that the Republican Party you know, speaks for and stands for what I believe in, and that's family and faith and and helping people to be their best selves and not just um, being kept down with government handouts and and having the government always do things for people. Right. And by the way, we have that in common. You and I both came to conservative politics a little later than an awful lot of people do. And, 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 and frankly, I think that makes for some of the best conservatives, sort of like people from Albany make the most annoying New Yorkers. Some of us uh, newcomers, <laughs> relative newcomers, uh, make the most obstreperous conservatives. And God knows you need to be obstreperous in, uh, in your neighborhood. Now, you are uh, let's let's talk about the race ahead of you here. Uh, you are running for the Minnesota State Senate in District 63, which is the southeast quarter of South Minneapolis, I believe. Uh, currently, yeah, and a, and a, represent- little corner of, a little corner of Richfield also. That's right. That's right. Yep. And you are uh, that, that whole area around Lake Nokomis, which is currently, and I use this in quotes, represented by Patricia Torres Ray. Uh, let's we'll talk about your opponent in a moment here. But what was it that prompted you after years of dipping your toe further and further into politics in your neighborhood to uh, to run against Patricia Torres Ray, uh, Diane Napper? Uh, well, the the political party unit uh, was looking for someone to run against her. I just thought, why not throw my hat in the ring? Uh, she held that office. She was elected in 2006. That's a long time to be in office. And oh, yeah. I, I think it's time for a fresh voice. I think that um, she's been fairly unremarkable in her policy positions. And it's time for, you know, this this district to, to hear from someone else. Um, as you've mentioned, the Democrats have... They've been running Minneapolis and the state for well over 40 years. Um, it's time for a new voice. It's time for, for um, you know, some different ideas, things that might actually work for a change. <laughs> now, and you're right. Patricia Torres Ray is, is unremarkable, at least in terms of her own record. I mean, she votes... Uh, the last I checked, pretty much the way that uh, the Senate majority uh, minority leader, thankfully, uh, reminds her to. Uh, I believe it's Susan Kent now. It was Tom Bach for many, many years. I mean, he votes pretty much in line with what the Metro DFL expects. I, I recall her voting back in 2006, uh, maybe it was 2008, when the DFL had a vote on trying to constrain the number of charter schools in Minnesota to exactly the number were that were in existence or in planning at that point, uh, basically 150 schools. She broke, well, with full permission from Tom Bach to do it because that would have offended her district. Other than that, she is an utterly mediocre legislator. But one area where she's not mediocre is in being in line with a party that has done incalculable damage to South Minneapolis and to both of the Twin Cities, damage that started long before the riots of this past month here, which, of course, is puts it on national display. But seeing what you see around you as a homeowner, as a longtime resident of South Minneapolis, a place where I lived as well for some time before moving to St. Paul, we, we, we know that, that the Republican Party needed someone to run for office. But but what is it that motivates you, really? I mean, what is, is was there a moment where you just said, OK, somebody needs to take this fight? to Senator Torres Ray, and really, by extension, to the DFL in South Minneapolis? It, it was really just 
that, that, that somebody needs to, to stand up and, and take a stand and, and try to fight what's been happening. And, um, you know, how do we fix the crime problem? How do we ensure that our schools are better? Uh, it's just, it was just kind of a tipping point. Um, nothing specifically other than being asked to run, but just realizing that, um, we just need to make a difference and we need to, you know, I can't just sit on the sidelines anymore. So, um, yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, it, you know, if people if people don't get up and and run, uh, nothing is ever going to change, and right. that's been the big part of the problem. Is here in Minneapolis, they have had it as their playground to to romp and play in and spend money in for a couple generations now, and mm-hmm. it nothing. It just and and the more noise they make about the improvements they want to make, the worse things seem to get, and. You and I have talked about this, about being homeowners in these places that have been Democrat sinecures for generations here. And it's we, we've talked about you and your neighbors uh, and, and the and the reactions they're getting from from the way things are going, even before the riots in South mm-hmm. Minneapolis, as here in the Midway. I mean, what's what's life like? Forget about politics for a moment. How, how, what's been the progression of life since you and your husband have lived uh, down by by Lake Nicomas all these years? It's you know the the garage break-ins uh, happen more frequently uh, every summer. Um, we had I don't know somebody got shot just a few blocks from here um, just this past weekend. Um, my husband's catalytic converter was stolen out of his vehicle while he was at church on a Sunday morning. Um, (laughs) I hadn't heard that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I thought I'd heard it all. No, this is, this is a new low. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It's just, you know, it wasn't like that. I mean, I've lived here for over 20 years and, uh, and it wasn't like that before. So it's just, it's frustrating and um, and it's disheartening because it's such a great city and it's such a great area. And like I said, I love living here, but, you know, we need to change some things. We, we need more police. Um, you know, people think that we need fewer police. We, we actually need more. <laughs> um, yeah. Presence no. is what helps deter crime. And if they're not there, you know, people are going to do what they want. So... Now, events of this last month have certainly delivered plenty of opportunities to appear as as a, as a stark opposition in, in absolute stark contrast with the, the ruling class in South Minneapolis. I mean, between the riots and, and this past week's unanimous vote to abolish the Minneapolis Police Department and replace it with... Well, something, something. We don't know what. We don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to have fourteen different bosses with all of the accountability that naturally is going to bring. What do you hear from your neighbors about the whole notion of law enforcement? I have to imagine the citizens of Minneapolis are thrilled at the idea of trading in the Minneapolis Police Department for the Unicorn Patrol. I, I don't know. What, what are you hearing from your neighbors, Diane Happer? <laughs> It really just doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't. Um, well, like you said, there are 14 people accountable. They can't possibly be accountable. Um, and it's just this, for some reason, we seem to have decided as a society that law and order just doesn't matter anymore. And that's not, that's not the case. Um, that's how we coexist is having law and order. And if we don't have... Um, if, if we're not enforcing our laws equally, that doesn't help. If we're not enforcing them at all, that doesn't help. Um, so the idea of, of not having a, uh, a police force or having it be run by 14 different people just really makes no sense in my mind. Absolutely. We're talking with Diane Knapper, uh, who is the GOP-endorsed candidate to run against uh, Patricia torres Ray in the Senate District 63, a district that desperately needs to turn over. Uh, by the way, before we take a break here, Diane, wh- where can people find out more about you and your campaign? Then we'll go to uh, take some calls here in a moment here. Okay. They can go to my website, which is Napper, N-A-P-P-E-R-M-N-63.com. And Absolutely. Can, uh, donate to my campaign now. And believe me, we'll talk about the, the help your campaign needs 
uh, when we come back from the break, as well as take some phone calls here. By the way, I've posted the link to your website at shotinthedark.info for those of uh, the audience who have an easier time finding that than remembering other websites. But well, uh, make sure you get out to Diane's website. We'll talk about the help she needs, aside from the normal you know, financial stuff when we come back, as well as taking your phone calls at 651-289-4488 or questions on Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's N-A-R-N Show. It's the Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280, The Patriot. Go nowhere. We'll be right back. Limitless access to intelligent talk. Stream AM 1280 The Patriot with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart, TuneIn, and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities, but serve worldwide. The people in this movie share three things in common. They're courageous, they've had a life-changing experience, and they're black American conservatives. These are the voices of the movie. Uncle Tom. I don't remember the actual day, but I remember the emotion that I felt when it when it happened. I'm often asked, was there an epiphany? I started asking questions. As I became more politically aware, a lot of the way that I saw things began to change. All of this information I've been taking in for several years. A continuation of these kind of contradictions. I had bought into all of these lies. You begin to see what the real agenda is. This is the movie the leftist Democrats do not want you to see. These are the people they do not want you to hear. Their stories will shock you. Their journey will amaze you. Their courage will challenge you. Go to UncleTom.com. Buy it now on pay-per-view. UncleTom.com. Do you have the courage to discover the truth? Relief Factor. Effective pain relief that really, really works. How do I know that? I don't have a script. I don't have talking points. I live it. I've been taking it for a year and a half. I had a lower back pain issue that had been plaguing me for nine years, almost a decade. I took Relief Factor for two weeks. Yes, two weeks and my pain was gone and it's still gone. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. Don't take my word for it. See their incredible video testimonials at relieffactor.com. And then find out for yourself if this incredible drug-free product could work for you as well as it does for me and tens of thousands of Americans. It's so very, very simple. Go to relieffactor.com, order the three-week quick starter pack. It'll be at your door in three days or less. And I guarantee it, Dr. G's guarantee, if you take it morning and evening, as do I, for three weeks, by the end of that time, you will know if it works for you like it works for me. Hi, this is Lee with the Kingdom Builders. You've been hearing us on the radio for years talking about shingle roofing and gutters. But did you know that we also do flat and low slope roofing? We install EPDM, TPO, PVC, or any other letter combination you might be able to think of. We don't just install the typical black EPDM rubber that you might be used to seeing. So if you'd like us to come out and evaluate your roof for maintenance, repair, or replacement, look us up at thekingdombuilders.com. Get a $3,600 LG stainless steel refrigerator for just $1,800 now through this special offer from PJ's Appliance and this station. There's only one half-price refrigerator. Go to this station's website, click on the half-off home makeover at the top of the page, or call the station now. AM 1280, The Patriot. It's the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Hey, don't forget, you want fun you want deals you want bargains you don't want to haul a card around go to the freedom fan club it's all the perks of reward card with none of the card go to am 12 thepatriotcom sign up for the fan club benefits deals all sorts of cool stuff going on here we are talking with diane knapper who is the gop endorsed candidate to run against patricia torres ray in uh, in senate district 63 in south minneapolis now uh, one of the ironclad laws of human behavior, Diane, is uh, what we call Berg's Eighth Law of Diversity, which reads African-American liberalism's, excuse me, American liberalism's reaction to one of, quote, their, end quote, constituents, be they female, be they gay, or be they any sort of ethnic minority, running for office or otherwise identifying as a conservative is indistinguishable 
from a sociopathic disorder. That's Berg's law number eight, which is a law, not a suggestion. It's absolutely, uh, absolutely everywhere. Now, uh, you tick off two of the boxes there, Diane. You're, you're female, you're African-American, uh, and yet you are a fire-breathing conservative, uh, no less than I, in my experience. It's got to be an interesting place to be in, well, Minneapolis. Uh, describe your experience uh, there, especially uh, in, given the events of this last month. Oh, yeah, it's, uh, well, you know, being, a, being an African-American conservative is, like I said, it's a rare breed. And um, I've actually, I've, I've had uh, support from, from people in the neighborhood, uh, which I appreciate. Uh, but, yeah, they, you know, most... A lot of liberals don't want to hear the conservative point of view. Um, they're not interested in ways that we might help the broader community. And so it is kind of an uphill battle because South Minneapolis is so very blue. But uh, I think it's worth fighting for, and I think it's worth trying to get my voice heard and letting people know that I'm here to work for everybody. Um, and, you know, I don't like to play the identity politics game, but if that's I have to do. I can. <laughs> um, well, and you're in South Minneapolis, where identity politics—it's kind of an identity politics company town, in much the way that Detroit used to be uh, a, an automotive company town, or Pittsburgh was a steel town. I mean, South Minneapolis—I mean, that's seems to be the biggest industry down there in South Minneapolis these days. Obviously, the <laughs> Minneapolis City Council uh, makes it their primary stock in trade lately here, and of course, we've got we've got Black Lives Matter, to to which I echoed Dennis Prager and saying, "Well, yeah." All Black Lives Matter, including the ones in Chicago and Detroit and Newark and Baltimore that are taken by, well, members of their own community. But that never seems to quite bubble to the top of the priorities for for our friends at BLM. Uh, Diane, I know you've had a word or two to say about uh, about Black Lives Matter over the years. <laughs> well, the thing is, it's a trap because the statement Black Lives Matter is absolutely true. And everyone agrees with that. But the organization itself is founded by Marxists. And, yes. you know, Marxism and, and our free market economy are, are not compatible. So they, they want to talk about black lives mattering, but as you just said, they don't care about the black lives in Chicago or Detroit or even here in Minneapolis. Um, right. Lives that are getting, getting taken every day. They don't care about um, the, the aborted babies, the, the unborn. Um, yeah. You know, the number of of black lives who've been taken, you know, I think it's like 60 million since the late seventies. Um, yeah. that's, that's a lot of black lives that uh, never got to, to be. And so I, I want people to understand that the, the distinction between the statement black lives matter and the organization. And they're so intertwined that a lot of people get caught up in that. And, you know, they're, they're making money hand over fist because people don't want to appear racist. And I just want people to, you know, research them, do, the, do your homework, um, find out more about who they are and what they, what they represent, because they don't even, uh, they're not even interested in the traditional nuclear family, which we know helps people become productive citizens. So, and, and if you yeah. listen to their propaganda, you would think that they are the anointed voice of the African-American community. It's like no, about, about 30% of black Americans support BLM, but you'd never know that listening to the media. Uh, Diane right. Napper. We got, we got a call uh, on the line from Wisconsin. Kent, you are on the line with Diane Napper. Go right ahead. Yeah, hello? Hey, you're on the air. Okay, well, I guess I would like to say that uh, I think Minneapolis has no one to blame but themselves. They should look in the mirror. They've been, blown, they've been voting in very liberal, airhead Democrats for decades, and now they're surprised they don't have any law and order, that they have crime running rampant, that, per, bill, that the cost of their taxes keep going up, that services are going down. They have no one to blame but themselves. Absolutely, Kent. And by the way, that is that's intellectual meat on the hoof for you right there, Diane. I mean, every I, I've, I've been present as Democrats on election nights when they they win another lopsided victory in the city, Minneapolis, or in, in my case, St. Paul. They will start to chant, we own this town, we own this town. <laughs> and after this last month, 
uh, it's irresistible to say, yeah, yeah, Sparky, <laughs> you own both of these towns here. What you going to do? You, you owe us big time for it, too. I mean, they, they have had 60-something. You're going, I believe, over 70 years in Minneapolis. I would be, be amazed if there's been a Republican in your seat uh, since 1960, the seat you're running for, that part of South Minneapolis, since 1960 at best. Uh, they own this town, uh, mm-hmm. so, and they've been they've they've had the accountability for it in theory for in theory for this entire time, and yet here we are. Uh, that that has got to be something a, a question you have to be asking people out on the street in in the sixty three is is yeah they do own this town. What's it gotten you? Right, exactly. One of my favorite quotes is uh, you know if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll always get what you always what you've always had. So. That's, that's perilously <laughs> close to the definition of insanity. And, well, yeah. I th- guess that punchline writes itself, Diane Knapper. Uh, <laughs> it so we got about five minutes remaining uh, in, in this. By the way, we'll do this again sometime because, this, like all elections this year, it's an important one. I mean, the, the GOP needs to maintain control of the Senate at the very least, if not flipping the House, uh, which would be nice as well. Diane, uh, let's talk about your agenda. When, when you get elected... Uh, this November uh, to the Minnesota State Senate, God willing, and with a tailwind. Tell us a little bit about Diane Knapper's first 100 days in office. What are your priorities? What's your agenda? So, uh, interestingly enough, I think one of the biggest things we need to look at is why do we have so many laws? <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of regulation that goes on in our state that needs to be addressed. Um, you know, people have been braiding hair for centuries, and now all of a sudden you have to have a license for that? Why? Yes. Um, <laughs> first guest we ever sense. had on this show, first guest we ever had on this show was a, was a Kenyan woman, or sorry, a Eritrean woman who'd been uh, braiding hair her entire life, and suddenly she was being driven out of business uh, because she didn't have a license from the city of St. Paul. No, this issue just keeps on giving, Diane. Absolutely. Sorry, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the bottom line is that, uh, you know, the government should be working harder for the people, not the people working harder for the government. Um, I want to help make sure that when we do have laws written, that they make sense, uh, that they're not arbitrary, that they're not punitive. Um, Obviously, things like crimes need to be addressed, but people want to talk about the symptoms of crime, and we have to get to the root cause of it. You know, why, why do we have so much crime? What... What can we be giving people as an alternative so that they don't turn to a life of crime? Uh, we've got mental health issues. That's, that's also part of that. Um, I've been thinking lately that uh, our society is really like a three-legged stool, and it's based on faith, family, and education. So if we can get those three things right, then we can all live prosperous lives and, and, and um, you know, contribute to our to our communities and make sure that our children are raised properly and that we're all productive members of society. So, you know, healthcare, we can look at that. How can we make that better for people? Um, you know, obviously there are some people who can't provide for themselves, so we definitely want to help them. But uh, it's not a one-size-fits-all thing. And so we just have to make sure that we're um, addressing the needs of everyone. And I also want to make sure that I'm not just representing my district because I care about the rest of the state as well. I'm, I'm a state senator, not a Minneapolis senator. So uh, those are some of the things that I want to work on. Diane Knapper, the GOP-endorsed candidate to run against Patricia torres Ray in Senate District 63, Southeast Minneapolis, a district that direly needs a change in the way it's represented. It's, and, and one has to hope that people start, are starting to see, some people are starting to see that, uh, that, that the way the DFL has managed its, quote, ownership, end quote, of Minneapolis and St. Paul hasn't done it a darn bit of good. Diane, one more time, how can people find out more about you and your campaign? They can go to my website, which is napper, N-A-P-P-E-R-M-N-6-3.com. NapperMN63.com. I have the link to the site at shotinthedark.info. Uh, by the way, Diane, briefly, in about 30 seconds, what kind of help does your campaign need? I mean, you, obviously money goes a long way in a, in a Senate race. Volunteers, what what sort of work needs to be done on your campaign? 
Uh, I will be needing volunteers for door knocking, even though we've got COVID going on. Uh, there's, there's still no reason we can't social distance and, and get out and talk to people, find out what their concerns are. So if people want to uh, send me an email, uh, my email is on my website, and I can start collecting names for volunteers. Um, but right now the big push is for uh, financial contributions. Um, the, when you do your taxes, you, get a, you check that box that say, says you want to help uh, contribute to a campaign. That's where that money comes from. So I get matched if I raise enough uh, by July 20th. So. Absolutely. That's all important, by the way, that 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 state that that state subsidy that you get when you hit a certain uh, amount of fundraising goes a long way in redressing the fundraising imbalance that uh, Republicans face helps an awful lot. So if you can chip loose a couple bucks, definitely do. Uh, The link is at shot in the dark. That info. Diane Knapper running for the uh, Patricia Torres raised seat in South Minneapolis. Thanks for joining us today. It's the Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280 The Patriot. Go nowhere. We will be right back. That saved a wretch. AM twelve eighty, the Patriot. Thank you so much for joining us. We've had a fantastic response, saving the lives of unborn children all this week with your gifts to preborn. And what we raise here stays here. But today is the final day, the last day you have an opportunity to provide that ultrasound to allow a young woman to hear that heartbeat. And and Scott, oftentimes people say, "Well, you, you save the baby's life. Now mm. what?" Uh, but preborn answers that. Oh, they do. In fact, at preborn, it's so much more than that one moment choosing life. That's important. That's the beginning of it all. You know, like uh, we're about to celebrate July 4th, uh, you know, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, there is no uh, pursuit of happiness without liberty, and there is no liberty without life. So, uh, you know, what to do beyond that decision for life? It doesn't matter if they don't choose life, but once they do, Preborn provides it's a two-year-long mentoring process. It includes providing free maternity clothes, free baby clothes, diapers, strollers, cribs, formula, even help with education, uh, all just uh, to come alongside so that it's not a matter of shaking a finger in the face. You're not shaming someone into doing something. You are simply giving them the truth at the most critical time in their life when the people closest to them, maybe even the people they follow on social media either do not know the truth or are consciously telling them a lie. It is a baby. The power of that truth, the truth is so powerful because the lie has been so pervasive. And so today you can provide that truth for a young girl or woman who otherwise might choose abortion right here in the Twin Cities. We're saving our own kids right here. These are your kids in this uh, opportunity today. 833-850. Two 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 nine. This is the last day. Yeah, you can go to am twelve eighty thepatriotcom You'll find the preborn banner there. If you want more information, very easy. Just two or three minutes. If you use your credit card or your debit card to make your gift and save the life of a child. And, and what we raise here stays here, just like Scott said. Mm-hmm. Your gift one hundred percent goes to the ultrasound. So preborn has the, the the program that Scott was just talking about with the cribs and the diapers and the formula and the education. Uh, they've got other ways to take care of that. What we want to do is make and help that young mother choose life. And that happens with the ultrasound. So that's where your entire gift mm-hmm. today will go on this final day with preborn. $28 provides one. $140 gift provides five ultrasounds. A $280 gift per- provides 10. Very easy to do. Again, that number, 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229. And Scott, they have a huge impact. It really is uh, such an opportunity by producing, uh, introducing a girl or a woman to her baby for the first time. And that, that, what a, what a blessing. What a, what a privilege to be able to do that. To say, hey, you know what? I introduced a girl or a woman to her baby for the first time today and saved the baby's life. Join us, would you? Yeah, 833-850-BABY or make your gift online at am1280thepatriot.com. Cities and Worlds, the Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 12A, The Patriot. Hey, don't forget, the FishTwinCities.com plays the latest contemporary Christian tracks from today's top artists. Listen in for brand new worship songs plus old familiar favorites. You can download the Fish Twin Cities mobile app today, stream at the website or radio.com. FishTwinCities.com, safe for the whole family. Visit the site and mention if you, uh, well, you can just check it out. Go to FishTwinCities.com. That's the place to be. Uh, if if that's what you're looking for, and honestly, it's a great time for that uh, that variety of tunage that they carry there at the fish. Anyway, so six five one 
289-4488, the number to call should you care to join me. I'm also on Twitter at hashtag NarnShow. That's N-A-R-N Show. Uh, top story in, uh, well, among many others, we've, we've got a lot of stories out there. Of course, COVID carries right along here, uh, the, the COVID epidemic. And honestly, there, there's a lot that, that we could say about the COVID epidemic. I, I've, I've come up on both sides of this issue in, in a lot of different ways. But uh, one subject that I've been harping on almost since the beginning of the epidemic, certainly since I've been broadcasting from home, because of the pandemic, which is going on for three months now, uh, is the concept of blue fragility. And we'll talk more about this tomorrow, because I'll be in for Brad Carlson tomorrow. And I, as I sometimes do when I, I do a Sunday show on a beautiful summer day, I think it's time to, every once in a while, sort of blow out the intellectual carbon, as it were, uh, out of the cylinders and talk about something a little a little broader, a little deeper, something that goes beyond just politics and into, well, not philosophy really, but just sort of the why behind the whole thing. Uh, and, and I'll do that tomorrow, I think, because there's some ideas behind the philosophy of the left versus the philosophy of the right that, that have a lot to do with, with why we're in this position today, especially here in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and Minnesota as a whole. And when I say the situation in Minnesota as a whole, I mean we have a wannabe petty tyrant who is exercising executive power uh, as a one-person autocracy with just only the barest minimum of of oversight from the legislative branch. And that's the way they like it. And by the way, that's one of the reasons you need to get out to the polls this fall and vote for every Republican you can find in the Minnesota State Legislature because one of the top jobs has to be when, if dear God, we have a legislative majority again, is to start voting in some limits on executive power in these sorts of emergency situations. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Back, one of the best things the gun owners in Minnesota did was in 2015 pass uh, with bipartisan support, uh, even including Governor Dayton, a bipartisan law that forbade the governor from confiscating guns during states of emergency and forbidding him from or her, from closing down gun stores unless literally every other business in the state was also closed due to the state of emergency. And if you don't think that has mattered during this state of emergency, oh, believe me, I can absolutely see Peggy Flanagan uh, sending the, the state patrol and the police door to door to confiscate guns because of an epidemic. If you can't, you're not thinking about it hard enough. At any rate, Let's talk about other emergencies, though. One of the concepts I want to talk about probably in greater depth tomorrow is something I've been talking about, again, since the beginning of this pandemic, the concept of blue fragility. The idea that since this pandemic has been showing us the limitations and the vulnerabilities of really of blue America, of the big cities, of the, of, of the coastal states, how very vulnerable they are to things like pandemics, how very uh, susceptible they are to breaking down under pressure, how very unsustainable, how very not resilient, what's the opposite of resilient? Brittle. How very brittle blue society is. How very susceptible to falling apart places like New York, Baltimore, Newark, Minneapolis, really truly are when the going gets tough i mean we've all lived it for this last month here in the city and this is this goes back a long way and and, and yet as we see this demonstrated we see blue america lashing out at the rest of the country at the red parts of this country not just the red states but really the red counties that surround the blue cities it's really how it breaks out, even in places like New York and California, Maryland, for crying out loud. Maybe not New Jersey or Delaware, but work with me here. Let's go back in time a little bit. Some of you of a certain age may remember the 1980s. And if you do, you might recall the early years of the AIDS epidemic. Almost seems quaint these days, but AIDS was pretty scary back then. I mean, for a long time there, AIDS was a disease that came out of nowhere 
struck people for a while. It seemed potentially almost at random was always fatal and had no cure, which was, by the way, the case. If you think COVID with its small death rate, unless you're old or have all sorts of comorbidities, uh, if you think that's scary, and some people out there certainly do, AIDS was scary. I mean, in the early mid-80s, you didn't know what it was limited to. You didn't know really how you got it. There was no cure, and it was 100% fatal. It was amazing. And, and by the way, it became fairly clear early on that disease particularly targeted gay men and intravenous drug users. And, and, and it became clear early enough that by, I don't know, by the time I moved to the Twin Cities, the epidemic was leading to the extinction of what used to be a pretty hop and bathhouse scene in Minneapolis, where uh, it was sort of a center of at least a certain faction of the gay community in, in Minneapolis. And as, as it became fairly clear that the, the, the bathhouse scene and, and the well, culture of promiscuity that, that throve there was a primary means of transmission of AIDS. By the way, I'm saying this in all, in all genuine compassion for those who are lost. Uh, it's a horrible way to die. Uh, but government health authorities at the time, even as this became fairly clear, kept hammering on the line that anyone could catch uh, AIDS at the time and that nobody was immune, which was literally true. I mean, there were cases of children, of suburban housewives, of, of people out in, the, out, in the, out in the country catching AIDS, and those got wide play in the media um, to help prove the point. But eventually the world figured out that AIDS was a blood-borne pathogen spread by behaviors that transferred contaminated blood between people you know, via sharing needles for, drug, for intravenous drug users or through inadvertent exposure to infected people's blood. I mean, if you blood splattered or got into a cut on your hand, you could catch it. And by the way, also various, let's just say, intimate practices that had a tendency to spread bloodborne contagions. Enough said. And so people learned. I mean, ER staff started wearing masks. And, and by the way, if blood was involved, the full face plexiglass masks. And they goggled up and they gloved up. Uh, other means of preventing transmission became fairly mainstream. Cities gave out free needles, which drove the law and order crowd crazy, but it did help to cut the infection rate, and it did save lives, at least for a while, because intravenous drug use is a fast run off a short dock, let's be honest. Anyway, unsaid but unmistakable, anyone could get it, but the odds moved greatly in fact, almost completely in your favor with just a few minor behavioral uh, practices. Don't shoot up. Be careful with your, or let's just say, intimate life. If you work around blood, protect yourself from other people's blood. I say this because I was in North Dakota last weekend uh, taking care of some family business. And while I was there, I got to look at a county-by-county county breakdown of COVID cases in North Dakota, which is one of the reddest states there is. And, and by the way, there are 3,000-odd cases uh, total in the state of North Dakota. Uh, most of them have recovered, by the way. Uh, currently, as of last week, there were 194 cases in Cass County, which, let's be honest, means Fargo, 44 more in Burley County, and the rest of the state, Literally, I mean, other than the, the, the greater Wapaton area, uh, no more than two or three, oh, in my hometown, Jamestown and Grand Forks, no more than two or three per county. In fact, vast swaths of the state have yet to see their first case. Uh, probably half of North Dakota's 53 counties register a big fat goose egg for cases so far. Uh, Burley County, Bismarck, 44. Cass County, 194. Of the state's 74 fatalities, 62 took place in Fargo, mostly in senior citizens, uh, communal living centers. And in fact, that's probably the, the majority of the fatalities in North Dakota, almost none throughout the rest of the state. In fact, a grand total of 12 fatalities throughout the rest of the state. None of them on Indian reservations, which is a little bit counter to the 
uh, narrative here in the Twin Cities that uh, the state's minorities are, are most prone to being hit by the, the disease. And by the way, it's not a lack of testing. Uh, North Dakota has the third highest test rate of any state in the union, triple that of Minnesota. So kind of like AIDS three and a half decades ago, maybe it's just time to cut to the chase and admit that COVID, and by the way, most diseases that spread via the air, via water droplets in the air from people breathing, coughing, sneezing, are particularly vulnerable to being transmitted by people breathing the same air, breathing uh, jammed into close quarters for places like in places like nursing homes or bars or restaurants or mass transit or subways or open plan offices and all the other artifacts of high-density urban life. Of course, that would scotch the effectiveness of any high-density social investments that we've been pouring our money into around here, uh, which would jeopardize the gravy train for a lot of transit consultants and urban nonprofiteers and so forth. But that would involve, I don't know, being aware of the truth. Let's say we try it, Minnesota Society. Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 12A, The Patriot. Go nowhere. One more segment. Be right back. AM 1280, The Patriot. Whoa, look at all these options. You can fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream The Patriot. Top shelf choices include am1280thepatriot.com, our free app, and radio.com. Armchair psychologists have tried and failed to throw doubt on President Trump's sanity, but there's a new book that puts truly insane rulers in historic perspective. It's called History's Nine Most Insane Rulers. Author Scott Rank has unearthed the real lives of the nine most mentally unbalanced leaders through the ages. Some suffered from schizophrenia, like King Charles VI of France, who thought he was made of glass. Then there's Ottoman Sultan Ibrahim, the first who practiced his archery skills by pointing his arrows at his palace servants. And how about the president for life of Turkmenistan, who named the days of the week after himself? There's a serious side to all this. Power can be addictive and destructive for those who hold on to it for too long. This book, History's Nine Most Insane Rulers, takes an in-depth look at the toxic mixture of absolute power and insanity. Are insane rulers a relic of the age of monarchs? Get the surprising answers in the new book, History's Nine Most Insane Rulers by Scott Rank. Order it today at Amazon or wherever books are sold. Now streaming on SalemNow.com is the brand new film, Selfie Dad. Selfie Dad is a very funny yet powerful movie about a Christian dad in a midlife crisis who becomes an overnight social media phenomenon only to turn away from God and his family. But when he's confronted with a newfound friendship and the life-changing truths of the Bible, he learns the only way to have true happiness. Some of these things I just can't fix without some sort of direction. And I'm finding it right here in the Bible. God can do incredible things. Selfie Dad stars Christian comedians Michael Jr. and Shonda Pierce, as well as Grammy singer, YouTube star Jamie Grace, and War Room's Karen Abercrombie. It will inspire you to find the life-changing value of the Bible. Watch Selfie Dad at SalemNow.com and use promo code Minneapolis to save 20%. That's SalemNow.com, promo code Minneapolis. Paul Bunyan Plumbing and Drains. Legendary service. Install and repair. We'll fix anything with legendary care. Paul Bunyan is chopping prices on water heaters. Get a 40-gallon atmospheric water heater with installation by a certified technician for just $999, plus permit if needed. If you're having problems with your worn-out water heater, call Paul Bunyan Plumbing and Drains for their $999 special. Certain restrictions apply. For details, visit heypaul.com. Get a $3,895 Konica Minolta copier for just $1,947.50 through this special offer from Tops and this station. There's only one half-price copier. Go to this station's website, click on the half-off home makeover at the top of the page, or call the station now. Welcome back, Twin Cities and World. It's the Northern Alliance Radio Network, AM 1280, The Patriot, Mitchburg, here as always on Saturday, here, not as always, tomorrow, Sunday, filling in for Brad Carlson, who will be off on assignment tomorrow. K 
King Banyan. I don't know if King will be broadcasting next Saturday morning or not. I guess you could tune in and find out. I will likely be doing my traditional July 4th uh, special broadcast, which is uh, always one of the highlights of the year for me. Uh, I recorded it a couple of years ago, and I'm somewhat proud of it. So I'm looking forward to uh, to to uh, running that and, and, and joining the rest of you out there on a, uh, a safe and fun 4th of July weekend, actually getting a three-day weekend, which will be kind of nice. Uh, and yeah, now that there's a little more stuff to do out there, uh, enjoy it and remind yourself that when we have a Republican majority in both chambers and hopefully the governor's office, and hopefully that'll come up with a little luck, at least in the legislature, it'll come up in January. We need to start voting to deprive the governor of some of the emergency power that he has been abusing, abusing horribly. Hey, I hate to say I tell you so. <laughs> no, I don't. I love to say I told you so. Unfortunately, however, it's not really funny. Uh, but it's funny in a weird way because, well, every once in a while, even the leftiest of the lefty media has to admit tacitly without as many words, the conservatives, especially Ronald Reagan were right. What is it I'm talking about? Well, we had national public radio, Scott Horsley in this case, uh, the reporter, but that national public radio admitting without doing it in so many words, but it's an admission that Reagan was right. The Laffer curve was correct. And that economics is in fact, trickle down. We know this because in a special series on the coronavirus crisis, Scott Harsley reports in a piece entitled, The Rich Have Stopped Spending and That Has Tanked the Economy, that in fact, trickle-down economics was right. And I quote, The wealthiest American households are, households are keeping a tight grip on their purse strings, even as their lower-income counterparts are spending a lot more freely when they emerge from weeks of lockdown. That decline in spending by the wealthy could limit the whole country's economic recovery. Researchers based at Harvard have been tracking spending patterns using credit card data. They found that people at the bottom of the income ladder are now spending nearly as much as they did before the coronavirus pandemic. Quote, When the stimulus checks went out, you see that the spending by lower-income households went up a lot, said Nathan Hendren, a Harvard economist and co-founder of the Opportunity Insights Research Team. Gosh, where have we heard this before? Spending by people who are at the top of the income brackets and can afford to buy the goods and services produced, sold, and maintained by people farther down the economic scale spreads wealth throughout? Gosh, and they said we were nuts for bringing this up, didn't they? At any rate, I, I hate to say I told you so. Well, no, I don't. I love, I love saying it. I told you so, big left. <laughs> Maybe you can beg uh, the rest of us forgiveness uh, here anytime. I'll be waiting. Anyway, this past Wednesday was an anniversary that I, at least on my blog and here on this broadcast, hope to make into something of a, of a regular event. This past Wednesday was the 16th anniversary of the opening of the Metro Transit Blue Line. The beginning, or let's just say the rebooting of light rail transit in the Twin Cities. And on that anniversary, I wanted to ask people to remember the people who died unwillingly and most likely, in most cases, unwittingly to further big Minnesota left's obsession with feeling like a big city, a real, quote, first class, end quote, city, which by definition have choo-choo trains for them to play with. And when I started looking into this some months ago, and I wrote the article on my blog uh, entitled Transit Memorial Day, I expected there to be a shocking number of people dead along Twin Cities transit lines. I was not ready for the shock I got. I expected there to be a grand total of a dozen or so fatalities over the course of 15 years, a number of them uh, disproportionately along the Green Line, which runs right along University Avenue and has many very badly designed uh, stations and crossings. But I wasn't ready for the results I saw. To wit, over 15 years, 16 years now, the Blue Line has claimed 15 lives eight of them pedestrians, three of them bikers, bicyclists, one man in a wheelchair, poor guy, and three people in cars. And that doesn't count the crimes uh, up and down, uh, the, the, the violent intentional crimes. There was a stabbing death this past winter on the blue line and two more murders at stations along the line, shared between the blue and the green line in most cases. 
It's an average of a little over a death a year when you count the violent crime. That's 15, well, 18 lives, counting the, the homicides, in 16 years. But that's just the blue line. The green line has been in business for five years. And there have been eight deaths. The first one was just six weeks after the train started operating. Most of them are pedestrians who were trying to navigate the badly designed street-level crossings. The most recent was last winter, I believe. Uh, I, by the way, I designed things for people to use safely and efficiently and powerfully for a living. One of these days, I'm going to have to take a ride up and down the green line and do a design critique of all of the areas where people, even not, not just distracted and, and drunk and, and high people, but regular people can find themselves in a really nasty jam without even knowing about it. There's an article I posted uh, at Shot in the Dark, that info some time ago, about a, a woman, a, a university professor, a journalist, sorry, journalist, who found herself almost getting hit by a train. Not a, not a, not a dumb person by any means. A victim, nearly, of just plain bad, smug, poorly conceived human factors, as we call it in my business. Eight dead in five years along the green line. By no means all of them drunk, high, or distracted. The North Star Line, no exception, has been in business for quite some time. Uh, five fatalities along the North Star Line so far. Uh, the latest just this, over this past winter. That's 29 dead, not counting the homicides. So that brings us up to 32 dead so far. Let's just count the people hit by the trains themselves. 29 lives, all of them just as valuable as yours and mine or your family's. All of them sacrificed so that the Met Council, our authoritarian, unelected third level of government in the metro area, uh, fourth level of government, plus the various governments involved and other people who love to play with the dials and levers of government can feel like they're, quote, running, end quote, a, quote, big city, end quote, with all the trimmings, including the choo-choo train that goes along with all of the, quote, first-class cities, end quote. And I urge people, in all seriousness, to take a moment to remember those innocent victims of government megalomania, none of whom asked to be a monument to government power, much less a victim of it. We'll be doing this every year until those trains are in their rightful place, the dustbin of history. Oh, Southwest Burbs, be adding you before too terribly long here. Thank you all for tuning in. See you all next week. Have a blessed 4th of July. God bless you all. God bless America. This is Dennis Prager for Mathnasium, the math learning center. As you know, happiness is a moral obligation. But if you're a parent, that might seem impossible if you're trying to teach your kids math. Some would say choose one. You can't do both. If this is you, then Mathnasium has the solution. At Mathnasium, students learn to understand and master math. They learn number sense, math fluency, and problem-solving skills that equip them for success, not just in school, but for the rest of their lives. Mathnasium students become confident and even enjoy learning math. With Mathnasium's customized and live one-on-one -on -one approach, students can actually reach their potential, possibly even more than you might imagine. And now, with the added challenges due to COVID and school closings, more than ever, your child needs extra math support this summer to keep moving ahead. So do your kids and yourself a favor and enroll today at one of the Mathnasium centers listed on the Patriots Advertiser page at am1280thepatriot.com. Mathnasium, changing lives and adding happiness through math. Relief Factor, effective pain relief that really, really works. How do I know that? I don't have a script. I don't have talking points. I live it. I've been taking it for a year and a half. I had a lower back pain issue that had been plaguing me for nine years, almost a decade. I took Relief Factor for two weeks. Yes, two weeks and my pain was gone and it's still gone. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. Don't take my word for it. See their incredible video testimonials at relieffactor.com. 
and then find out for yourself if this incredible drug-free product could work for you as well as it does for me and tens of thousands of Americans. It's so very, very simple. Go to refactor.com, order the three-week quick starter pack. It'll be at your door in three days or less. And I guarantee it, Dr. G's guarantee, if you take it morning and evening, as do I, for three weeks, by the end of that time, you will know if it works for you like it works for me. As the will of the students goes, so goes the will of the nation. This is a central theme in the new movie, Return to the Hiding Place, the film about Corey Ten Boom and her secret army of teenagers' heroic efforts to hide and save Jews from the Nazis during World War II. Corey's story was made famous by her book and original movie produced by the Billy Graham Association. Now, 45 years later, comes Return to the Hiding Place. The untold, behind-the-scenes, true story of Corey's secret army of student teenagers' efforts to rescue Jewish people. Told by Hans Poli, one of Corey's teens in the resistance, Return to the Hiding Place is an action-packed film of the Dutch underground's true, breathtaking rescue of an entire orphanage of Jewish children. Return to the Hiding Place, starring John Rhys-Davis. Watch this captivating movie tonight with your older children at SalemNow.com and save 20% with promo code MINNEAPOLIS. Return to the Hiding Place at SalemNow.com. Promo code Minneapolis. Due to historical content, might not be suitable.